Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the podcast, is for education only. Some of the subject matter could be triggering for those that are newly grieving or in a poor state of mental health. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. Hello there. It's great to be back. Uh, I'm happy to be here. It's Suicide Zen Forgiveness. Our podcast is very honored to have a returning guest that I'm really excited to chat with. I'm speaking about Rex Sykes. Rex uh, was one of my early guests in 2021. And um, Rex is, there's so many things I could say about Rex. You can read that all on the page because I just want to get him on up here because we have an awful lot to talk about because uh, it's, I think, time for us and the world to catch up. Hello there. Hello. I, I want to say, um, one, it's an honor and a privilege, and I'm humbled to be back and to be a guest again. I thoroughly enjoyed my first experience on the show. And secondly, you are such a marvelous host on and off the air, and you provide such a valuable service for people, and the hotlines that you provide and things like that are much needed in today's world, and, and I honor you and thank you for for your service to all of the rest of us. Thank you so much. That that means the world to me. Uh, the whole point of what I do, I, I finally kind of crystallized what it is that I'm after. I want to end the silence, the stigma, and the shame surrounding suicide, ideation, and mental health. And by sharing our stories, we that are survivors, we can perhaps give a little hope to somebody else. And with that in mind, today, Rex, we're we're just, I think, going to cover the gamut. You know, we, we started on an audio-only uh, conversational uh, platform that um, in, in Clubhouse, we... We first met with uh, a, a lot of other people, and I have to admit, I guess I'm kind of visual and kinesthetic, and I talk with my hands, and and I enjoyed Clubhouse, but being able to see the people I speak to and with is so important to me. It makes a world of difference, I think, in in how involved you can be in the conversation. And I do appreciate having Clubhouse. I appreciate the audio formats that are out there because the podcast does go out in an audio version. But this here where I can look on your lovely face makes me <laughs> so happy. <laughs> and and right back at you, I, I will say this. There aren't many things I hate in the world, but I hate texting. I absolutely hate yeah. texting. And the reason for that is, you know, I mean, I loved having pen pals when I was a kid and writing and everything, but texting has become a replacement for human contact, yeah. visual contact and communicating. It's a way of, of you know, 
giving somebody a message that you have to read in order to understand. So you read it and interpret it at your end instead of hearing and seeing and experiencing what the other, how the other person communicates it. So it's ripe for misunderstanding. And, it, and you know, just, just, I mean, I prefer somebody to give me a phone call, meet in person. I text, if you're, if you're at a concert and it's really noisy and you say, I have to use the bathroom, I'll meet you over here. Great. But to have conversations by text when you could be speaking to me is, is crazy. Well, not only that, something that, that I find, for me, it's an avoidance technique. Mm. Okay. If I don't have a great deal of time, but it, it's important to me that I reach out, I'm avoiding not being in touch with somebody, but it's not letting me be me. And as my son is most likely to tell you and anybody else who will listen, I am the world's worst typist. I have done the worst, most embarrassing texts. And quite often, he'll write back and say, are you having a stroke? (laughs) Because the words don't make any sense. He says, mom, the idea of text is you're supposed to read it before you send it. And my response is always, well, if I could see it, well, you know, I mean, I, and likewise, I had somebody once, right, you know, text me back and say, are you drunk or are you using voice text? Yeah. <laughs> I said, I'm using voice text. Um, the, uh, I mean, te- you know, it, it's it's supposed to be a service. It's supposed to be something that we can use. So I'm not, I, I don't want to disparage something that has come along to make yeah. things easier. I'm just, I, I think the point that we're making is it shouldn't be a substitute for real human content. Yes and yes. for affection and, and that kind of communication. But when necessary, it's, it's great that we have it. In the same way that when COVID came along, we could meet on Clubhouse or on Zoom. You know, we, mm-hmm. weren't, we weren't stuck on a telephone, which thank, thankfully we could have been, but we actually got to see people through Zoom and Facebook Lives or whatever and interact where we might not have been able to, you know, years ago. So it's, it's all good. Yes. And at the same time, you know, it, it, can, it can be abused and uh, yeah. use it, don't abuse it. Um, but I want to I say something very important. What your viewers and listeners don't yet know is that we spent about 40 minutes before the show talking about our, our beloved pets, our animals in our life. And, and uh, the one, I mean, stuff I didn't know about you and you didn't know about me. And I have had an amazing and a delightful time. So you hear my dogs in the background right now because they're here with me and and uh, but I loved it and I love it and I love you and thank you, Elaine. Oh, thank you so much, Rex. I absolutely love you and your dogs, and they're gorgeous. Uh, we got a r- relatively early, uh, we've had him, I think, six weeks. This new dog, and he is so reactive. If he heard your dogs, he would be drowning me out here. <laughs> so he can't be in my office until he gets a little bit more training. And I, I have to say, um, this is not a plug, but I will say it. We hired the people from Bark Busters. And the psychology and the information they gave us to understand why he does some of the things he does has been invaluable. You know, and it, they were here for three hours. That was last Friday. And there are already huge changes in the dog so that to me i have never given a shout out to any trainers and i've had dogs for pretty much 
57 of my 67 years on this planet. So uh, that's, that's saying a lot because uh, it has made a huge, huge change. And he's a lovely wee dog, but he has a giant bark <laughs> and he's reactive to other dogs. So we will definitely work on that. But yeah, I thank you. I thank you so much. And, and I absolutely do love you, which is why I brought you back because I love speaking with you. You have such a, a wonderful outlook on life and such an understanding because as we know from your first visit on the show, uh, you've been in some pretty dark places and uh, it, you and I can certainly speak to that. I will say one thing about the pandemic that other people you know, might find a little strange, but for me, it was actually nice for people to come into my world because I've been doing hangouts with Google Plus and was a beta tester for Zoom in, since 2011, 2012. So finally, <laughs> in 2021, people were jumping on board the bus and were starting to see what was possible. And it gives you just an awful lot more than texting. I don't say don't text right. because during the pandemic, one of my one of my little things uh, for people that I didn't get to see a lot, I did my flyby hugs, and it, that's all the text said. This is a flyby hug with a heart. Um, it was just to let everybody know that somebody else is out there. And, and this is probably a good time for us to go into how not to be alone because we were talking about our animals mm -hmm. and having a dog or a cat or a bearded lizard or a bird, okay, all of those things really can be a lifeline, I believe. I'm completely in agreement with you. And, and, you know, if you've ever been a parent and you liked raising children or you've been a grandparent, I'm not yet, but then you have, you know, grandkids that you like to raise. Wow. Congratulations. Um, or you, you're, you're, you know, somebody's uh, uncle in name only, but you know, you, you provide care, you know, best friend to you know, family or godfather, godmother, something like that. The ability to take care of, a pet, a companion, whether that's a goldfish, you know, or a golden retriever, whatever it might be, right? You know, or a goat. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the ability to, to care for and to interact with another life form, especially if you're alone, you know, is, is so, I think, vitally important for people because by you giving to them, they give to you the relationship that you have. I, I actually, every day, hundreds of times a day they're probably so tired of hearing it i'm like i am so blessed i thank you you're in my life you're my companions you're my spirits you're my guides you're you know i, I may be your caretaker but you take such good care of me i i am constantly praising and and reminding my girls that they that i'm not the same person because of them and that they are gifts to me in the same way that my children are gifts to me even yeah. as adults i mean you know it never changes my world was 
completely transformed and transcended with the birth of my firstborn, my daughter, and, and then my secondborn, my son. Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. And going back to the dark places, I wouldn't have my children or my pets if it hadn't been for those dark places. That's right. That's Nor, nor I think, would we value things as much as we do. Right. Because humans by nature are comparative. And if you don't know a high, then you're not going to understand a low. If you don't, you know, tall and short and all of those things, we've, we've been to the bottom of the pit. And we certainly know what that feels like. So, And if you ever want to befriend someone, befriend someone who's suffered greatly, but's recovered from it and has yeah. moved on because the wisdom and the experience and the, 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 the lessons that they can share and, and just their, their presence can be very comforting and very inspiring because they, they can help you see how you can get out of the morose places and the dark places because they've done that. So, you know, and, and the world offers a lot of opportunity for people to suffer, yes. but actually, actually, I, you know, I, I want to change that. The world offers a lot of opportunity for things to be, to have pain, to have a physiological yes. response to something, whether it hurt, like if you burn your hand, that hurts. If you have emotional hurt, that hurts. If you have mental pain and psychic pain, it hurts. But suffering is a choice. Yes. You know, the, yes. and, and sadly what people do is they linger in their pain and suffering and wallow sometimes instead of saying, wow, um, there's something here for me to learn and, and move on. And, and believe me, I get it. Having been there when I was going through the worst of my worsts, I was angry. I was scared. I was frustrated. I was, you know, whatever. And yet to be able to look back on that and go, that was a, a, a transformational point for me. I, I, I you know, it's like I, I have a quote that people have quoted for years. I, I don't even know who's quoting it, but it shows up in memes every now and then. And, uh, and I said, the stop sign is actually a gift because it tells you you don't have to keep going in the same direction. You can, but you could also turn or go back, yes. you know. And so for a lot of people, they don't realize that. And, and if I had to if I had to sum, I guess, up everything in a message which I do, you know, is celebrate everything because yeah. every person, every event, every circumstance, good, bad, right, or wrong, whatever you want, is a gift. You're alive. It's a gift. You get to experience it, whether it's painful or not painful or celebratory or not celebratory, you get to experience it. So what you and I do with it is truly important. And, 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 and let me just before, cause I want to, I don't want to talk forever, but I, you know, before humans showed up on the planet, there were things that happened, like there was an ice age, there's a meteor hits the planet, maybe there's volcanoes, there's earthquakes, there's tornadoes and hurricanes, there's fires, animals died, animals lived, dinosaurs disappeared, you know, that kind of thing. But there was not human on the planet to say it was good or bad or right or wrong. They couldn't, nobody made a comparison, nobody made a judgment. And what humans mm -hmm. consciousness allows us to do is to notice things and our language does that too. So I say, you're there, I'm here. I'm making a, a, a distinction between where you are and where I am. If I say you're tall and I'm short, or, you know, someone's fat and someone's thin, or this is good or that is bad, you know, our language keeps these concepts. So we are classifying and organizing and categorizing creatures. Yeah. So for every insect, you know, we look at what they are, how many legs they have, whether they have a, a body, an abdomen, and a thorax, whether they have two arms or eight arms or, you know, whatever. 
you know, so we categorize everything and we classify everything as a way of, of trying to understand it. And then we also judge everything. So we yeah. go, the earthquake happened and it's bad. And, it's, and you know what? Uh, my guess is early humans, how we went from tiny groups of people foraging and hunting, you know, to bands of people, to tribes of people, to the rise of small societies, you know, where tribes merged and then to where we are today, right? And and we created borders, which didn't exist. None of the animals have borders. You know, they don't say, well, I'm this, you know, and I'm that. Only humans do that. But, and that may be the part of, you know, and it is what it is. I'm not, you know, we can't necessarily undo it, but if we understand it, and that is, and you see this happen on the news because the news typically shows you bad events in the world, right? And they do it now more than ever for profit. But my son at one time said, dad, do you think the world's ending? I said, why do you say that? He was 16. And I said, well, because all the stuff that's going on in the world and because of the political climate, because this, that, and the other thing. And I I said, well, let me ask you this. He was two or he was just born, you know, uh, year after 9-11. So he wasn't there, but my daughter, was three at the time. So um, I said, well, you know, when 9-11 happened, it's, it's a horrible event, besides the first responders who were, you know, rescuers and firefighters and police and things like that who ran it, lots of other people ran to that building to try and help the people who were in it. If there's a car accident, you see people stop on the roadside and they try and help it. There are far more good people in the world than there are bad people. In the same way that there's far more good weather days in the world than there are bad yeah. weather days in the world. And there are far more nice events that you never hear about. The reason why you hear about these bad events that you're concerned about is because that's what the news is about. They take the exceptions and put it out there as if that's what's going on. And then some people use it politically to say, look, if the world is falling apart, it's going to hell in a handbasket. You know, everything is. But that's because you don't you don't get exposed to all the good news that's out there and all the good things that people are doing on a regular basis. So. I say this, if you want to consider something a problem, it will be a problem. And if you want to consider something a blessing, it will be a blessing. But everything that happens, happens. Good people come into your life and not so good people come into your life. That's a gift because you're going to learn from, if you're comfortable, you don't learn much. But if you're pushed, you know, and you're prodded and you're, you know, you're up against somebody or something or something, that's when you have to look at your resources and your possibilities and your options and everything. So it's, it's all good, but people don't really think it is. And if they would change their thinking about it, they would experience more of the goodness. Absolutely. Because what you look for, you find. Yes. Okay. The brain is, is built that way. Yep. And the other thing that, that I want to add to that is some of us are extremely slow learners. Hmm. <laughs> we, we can stay in the bad places for longer. The funny thing is, I think there was always a piece of me, even in the darkest moments, there was this weird little Pollyanna piece of me that played the glad game every chance I got. And people have said, oh, that's horrible that you're, you know, you're so Pollyanna. It's not all bad because I'm 67. Okay. I could not have been. I could have been gone very, very early. And having that little Pollyanna piece has helped. Something else that you said about whether it's good or bad, celebrate it. Absolutely. 
I have a lovely friend who lives out in California. And um, many years ago, she was uh, one of the uh, people that were randomly shot in, um, I believe it was Miami. And her, her and a friend had, had gone out and she was in the place where there was a shooting and it colored an awful lot of her life. But from that, she now says that we want to make sure even the bad stuff, even when we fall down, even when we muck up, when whatever happens, you want to have a fail abrasion. You want to celebrate that because you're still alive. And I want to take it even further because you can then choose to learn the lesson from that failure, to learn that you can, as you said, at that stop sign, you can choose to go forward or left or right or backwards if you so choose. But all of it, all of it is your choice. Mm. And, and that, I think, is, is a, a really key piece. It is our choice. We can choose. And I can tell you, living as a victim for a long time, <laughs> there's no way I would ever choose that again. Had I had my eyes open, had I been paying attention, that's not what I would choose. Certainly not now. Because I know that there's more based on what I choose. Wow, what you just spoke is truly powerful and important for people to understand and, and then put into practice. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I, would, I would add, um, our brains work in one direction. They work to serve us and to keep us consistent. The, the only prime directives that the brain have are to keep us alive survive. and to help us to thrive so that we reproduce and continue the species. It doesn't care whether you're fat. It doesn't care whether you smoke. It doesn't care whether you flush your teeth or not. It doesn't care if you're rich or poor. It doesn't care any of that stuff. What it cares about is only what it learned to do through the conditioning that you received growing up as a, as a child and the, and the conditioning that you continue to perpetuate or that's perpetuated on you, too, by society. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's actually life affirming. And people will say things like, oh, there's a negativity bias. No, there's no such thing as a negativity bias. There's a survival bias. Yes. Because the brain is trying to keep you alive. But it's also trying to keep you the same. Because, because you're, you're, and think about that. You are pretty much the same. You aren't one day like, like you like pizza, and the next day you never ate pizza and you hate it. You know, you don't, you know, you don't one day, you know, are attracted to this and then not attracted to it the next day. You're consistent in your wants and your desires. In fact, you're consistent in the emotional range, and the thinking thought range, and the behavior range, and the word range that you you have. So you know, there's like 4,000 words that connotate different emotions in English alone. Yeah. And most humans don't experience more than half a dozen to a dozen of them. Yeah. And the way, the way our body works, it's electrochemical, you know, impulses based on what nerves was firing in our brains and things and the wiring that's taking place. So it creates a, a, a sequence. So you always get angry the same way. You always fall in love the same way. You always get confused the same way. It's different things may confuse you. Different things may make you angry. Different people are things you might love. 
but the only way you can identify it, so you go, I'm falling in love, I'm getting mad right now, is because you're paying attention to sequences of of sensations in your body and thoughts that are occurring, whether it's I'm seeing red or everything's going black or I'm starting to breathe harder, whatever. It's, it's notifying you that this is what's happening. And then you go, I'm angry. I'm sad. I get, you get depressed. So, so what happens for people is they find a comfort zone in which they're, they're consistent. And, and that again, is so that when you look in the mirror, you go, hi, Elaine, hi, Rex, hi, whoever you are. And you don't go, who are you? You know, barring, you know, a, a neurological damage or and in, 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 I've had amnesia, so I understand, but not amnesia for my identity, right? Yeah. But I've had amnesia for an event based on an accident. I can't remember kind of thing. The brain works to keep you consistent and it works to keep you comfortable so that you don't take Same. risks and you don't threaten your life. And so you don't do that. So when you say, I'm poor, but I want to be rich, your brain goes, whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. That means you got to change. So it creates doubt and fear and worry and anxiety that may or may not happen to keep you the same. And if you would, if you're really wise, instead of going, okay, well, I'll stay the same. You go, all this stuff is coming up so I can look at it and let it go. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be worried. I don't have to be doubtful. It's rising because I wouldn't notice it otherwise. When we're in our comfort zone, we're in our comfort zone. This is why people have an incredible tolerance for pain and discomfort and suffering and sadness and in the whole thing and they wallow and they stay there for they go i you don't understand i've been depressed for 30 years yes well that's because you have an incredible talent so here's here's the thing when you're comfortable it's like when you're when your shoe fits you don't notice it but if it's too tight or too stiff you start to notice it so or if there's a pebble in your shoe you notice it so the world the events the people around us offer us that friction that too tightness, that pebble, so that we start to notice the things that we could change or that we don't like so that we can get out of the comfort zone. Because otherwise we remain the same, we remain consistent. So when life throws you a curveball, this is a blessing because it's, a, you're going to, you may not like it because it's not the, you know, because a lot of people, you can develop an appetite for it. You can say, I'm a learner. I love to learn. I love to change. I love to transcend. And you transform yourself into somebody who welcomes and invites and accepts what's going on and celebrates it instead of fighting it and resisting it. Because if you always do what you always did, you always get what you always got. But now let me, let me wrap it up with this. Pollyanna is one of the best things that ever happened to the world. And it's the one thing that the bears point at. They go, oh, that's toxic positivity or oh, Pollyanna, Pollyanna. Because they can't see the opportunities that a Pollyanna saw or could see or that you can see. And so they go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And guess what? They live the way they do and suffer the way they suffer. But the person who has the attitude, the too rosy of glasses, when, when you're optimistic physiologically, when you're optimistic and positive, you're happy, you're feeling wonderful, your immune system works better, your brain works better, your emotions work better, you feel more like doing things when you're, when you're, you know, when you're enthused and when you're eager and when you're excited, when you're in love and when you're compassionate. I mean, think about it, when people fall in love, they're like, oh my gosh, the world opens up. You know, what can I do to surprise this person so wonderful? When that love, if that love breaks up or something, then people go, oh, my God, my life is over, it's terrible, it's over, it's terrible. And guess what? Both are both are part of the human experience. But the person who then says, you know, going back to the Pollyanna thing, 
you stop being so optimistic, what they're telling you is you should be sick and depressed and stressed yeah. And, yeah. And, and not like your life and, and, and be real. You know, the worst thing you can say to somebody is be realistic. What do they say? What do they tell adults nowadays? Yeah. How do you insult it up? You're acting like a child. You're not taking things realistically. Oh, that's fantasy. You'll never be able to do. And sometimes that's some really well-intended and well-meaning and loving and caring and kind people because yeah. we don't want you to be disappointed. We don't want you to put your eggs in that basket and then fail. And then, you know, so they're, they're, they're attempting from what they know to be caring and, and safe. But then if you, if you never travel outside your comfort zone, you don't ever really evolve. If you're fat, warm, and what they say, warm, dry, and party kind of thing, you're never going to do anything else. But when, you're, when your world is shaken up and challenged, this is where most growth comes from. We didn't, we didn't develop heating. I mean, we developed the heating system because we were cold. We developed the air conditioning system because we were hot. Your early humans put on you know, the, the fur bodies of animals to stay warm. You know, discontentment breeds innovation. Yes. So if you yeah. have a hardship or a discontent or you're sad or you're just, or angry or whatever, use it to move forward and then let it go. And then, you know, kind of like if I'm sailing from here to another d direction, I can go, I hate it here. I don't want to be here. I want to go over there. So I get in my boat because I'm not happy here and I paddle away from there or I sail away from there. But all the while I'm sailing toward the new destination, I shouldn't be looking back at the old destination going, wow, I wish I were back there. I wish I were back there. It was better back there. Now I don't know what I'm doing. I'm journeying in uncharted. Focus on your destination and move toward it. And then lastly, don't stand on the dock with one foot on your dock and one foot on the boat. You have to actually get in the boat to go where you're going. Oh, that's such, that's such a good point. Oh, and thank you for giving my Pollyanna new life. Pollyanna is purposeful and positive and powerful and and truly truly uh, the best thing that we can do is to embrace it. Uh, let me let me can I share one more quick story? Yes, please. One of my favorite fantasy stories is fiction, but it but it exemplifies what's possible. Remember Scrooge? I do. Well, Scrooge lived as a miser and a curmudgeon and a not very nice person until one night he goes to bed and whether it was indigestion or whatever he has a dream that he's visited by three ghosts. Goes to past, goes to present, and goes to the future. And it so terrifies him that when he wakes up in the morning, he's like, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. He changed overnight because he saw his past and what it was like. He saw the present moment, and then he saw what the future would be if he didn't transform. And so he transforms. And that's true for all of us. We can, and this is the hope that each of us has. And so he went from being this curmudgeon to very Pollyanna-like in that, in that moment of transformation. Yeah. He's like, Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, where's Tiny Tim and his family? Let's, you know, and he's starting to, so this is possible for all of us. Absolutely. And it's funny because people always, for all of my life, have said, oh, my God, you're such a child. And I would go, oh, thank you. <laughs> I understand also from uh, a lot of learning through psychology and different things. When we go through early traumas, we can sort of stop our growth at immature areas. And yet, in my estimation, that was my saving grace. Because through it all, dying and <laughs> 
many other things, I always came back with another wanting to go on, even from suicide attempts, which made no sense at the time. It, none of it made any sense to me until lately. And it's, it's only in further learnings, which I find wonderful and amazing, that I understand. I come to a place where, you know, things, things were, were very bad through a lot of physical pain. And, and there was, of course, emotional pain and, and different things. But there was always a point where I would give up the crying, give up the, the despair, give up the whatever, and close my eyes. Now, whether that was at night to go to sleep or whether it was in the middle of the day just to lie on the couch for a few minutes, and I came to understand when we close our eyes, when we nap or we sleep or whatever, those first few seconds and for me like I don't know 10 to 17 seconds everything is a blank slate you wake up and you can be anything anyone you can think to do anything go anywhere you can rewrite your whole story because that's what I've done over and over when I understood that I could no longer ski, I could no longer skate, I could no longer do those things because my legs wouldn't support them, I was crushed. I wallowed in being a victim. And then I went to sleep and I would wake up completely forgetting all of that. And it came to be a, a fantasy world that eventually came true. And I came to understand that those first few seconds when I wake up, that is the time that I can put the stamp on what I'm going for today. What am I going to do now? What can I expand in my life? And it doesn't work every day. It doesn't work every time I close my eyes. But it works enough times, I can tell you, that... I walk, I don't have a cane anymore. I do all kinds of things, as you well know, I'm all over the place. And yeah, I'm definitely slowing down because I've been around for a long time, but I have no intentions of stopping. And I know that if I have a bad day, because let's face it, we all do, and I'm a, I'm a champion wallower, but I've always put a time limit on my wallowing because That's it doesn't serve me, but it serves something inside to let it boohoo a bit and, and do the little pity party, whatever people call it. But once that time is over, I dust my hands and go on with what it, whatever I'm going to be doing because that's how I've come to understand that, the choice is mine, and I choose to honor the bits of me that don't do so well, that have despair, that are depressed at times. I think when we 
can honor those parts as well, then it's a lot easier to gather them all up and get them kind of on side to go where you want to go. Wow, again, so very, very powerful. I, 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 I have so many thoughts regarding what you said because it's so perfectly positive and practical for people to apply. Um, you know, what we think about, we bring about, you know, and what we resist persists. So if you're fighting against anger or depression or sadness or poverty, or you're fighting with other people, or you don't like the circumstances in your life, the more energy that you put in, or the more attention you put on that, the more energy you give it. It's kind of like fanning the fire, fueling the fire when, when you want to extinguish it. Now, everything, you know, the Bible says for everything, there's a season. And we know this. I mean, there's this time to plant and a time to harvest and a time that in between the, the seeds are growing in darkness and they're being nurtured. There's day and night. There's in and out of the tides. You know, the sun is recircling the sun. You know, it takes us 365 days to get around the sun. You know, while the world is spinning and we're traveling 60,000 miles, you know, you know, we, we don't know it because of gravity and because of this. We don't understand that we're hurtling through space in yeah. this arc while we're spinning <laughs> and, and, and we don't, we don't have that experience. That's, that's outside of our ability to even begin to in, entertain or appreciate, or that the fact that the universe is billions of years old, or in fact, it never started and it will never end or that it's expanding. We can't, we can't, our, our consciousness doesn't, isn't able to grasp that. Now, interestingly enough, you said, you know, one of the worst things, and I did too, but one of the worst things you say to a person is, you know, you're acting like a child. And yet Jesus said, again, another Bible quote, but said, unless you become like little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, what is a child? A child is innocent and curious, fascinated, the ability to be captivated. They're open. They're willing to learn. They're like, why, 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 what, 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 where, 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 when, 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 you know, and then we, the parents and the teachers and the citizens and everything, squash this down which is why Aristotle said, you show me the seven-year-old child then I'll show you the adult. And there's a reason for this. And this is going to go into what you said about closing your eyes. There's gamma, beta, alpha, theta, and delta waves in our brain that make up our consciousness, maybe more, but these are the ones that we've identified. Our, our most normal waking consciousness is comprised of all of these things going on, but mostly of beta waves. And then when we close our eyes like that and begin to relax, we generate alpha waves. As we begin to fall asleep, we go into theta and then into delta where we have deep sleep. Okay. And oftentimes we are, our bodies are, are immobile at that time, you know, and, and we're not aware of anything we're sleeping. And then when we wake up, we go from delta up through theta to alpha and into beta. Okay normal waking consciousness. In fact, they argue, some of the argument is that the reason why children have ADHD or ADD, which I don't, I think is a bogus diagnosis, what they're saying is that they're typically in alpha a lot of the time. They're in a relaxed kind of brainwave pattern. And so they use bursts of energy in order to try and get into beta. And so if you have a child, what, what do they give them? They give them speed essentially in order to activate yeah. the brain. Whereas caffeine would do the same thing and it wouldn't yeah. be as, as dangerous. But, but that aside, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's for people to make their own decisions. about this. The point is, is when you close your eyes or, or when you're a child, you're born and you're primarily, you spend a lot of time in Delta the first two years. And then you begin to go into Theta and you spend now about five or six years in Theta. And then you're a sponge at all of that time. Yes. You're a complete sponge. You're like a little child. It's totally innocent. Everything is, 
And so all of the input uh, from around you, your providers, the world, the environment, the media, whatever sounds, noises, you know, that kind of thing, are you're absorbing. And the thoughts and the values and the beliefs and the limitations of the people around you are the ones that you also absorb. So if the people around you are fighting a lot and don't get along, that's what you experience. What you experience essentially in a hypnotic state. You're experiencing it in the state where the brain is being programmed and learning the most is in theta. And in alpha. So when you said, I close my eyes, you know, and this happens, when you close your eyes, you begin to produce alpha waves. And if you roll your eyes up towards this part, you know, you, you produce more of it. So the best times to give yourself positive suggestions or affirmations or whatever you want is when you're going to bed or, you know, and you lie down and you're about to go to sleep and fall asleep with positive thoughts about the day. Don't go back and look at your day and say, this is all that was bad and wrong. And tomorrow I have all these things that I want to avoid. Now think about all the good things, what you're grateful for, what you appreciate, what you love, what you can accomplish, what you do, what you intend, the joys and the, you know, everything or the lessons that you got and you learned from that, that serve you in a positive way and go off to sleep that way. And then when you wake up in the morning, before you jump out of bed, do the same thing on arising. Cause then you're using those normally naturally occurring states of consciousness where your brain is most receptive. Because we're living, our, our conscious mind is very limited, you know, the, the subconscious mind. And, and there's really no subconscious and conscious. It's all one thing. But as humans who have to categorize and classify things, we've yeah. got a left hemisphere and a right hemisphere. There's, uh, you know, a triune brain and a bottle, mid and a top. I mean, we, we, we do that. Anyway, the conscious mind or the processes that make up the conscious mind are things like um, choosing, setting directions and planning, remembering and recalling, you know, information and bits and pieces. It's, 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 it's the ability to say, I'm going to get in my car and drive to the store, but you don't consciously get in your car and drive to the store. You just set the intention and then your subconscious, all the, all of your habits and conditioning that you learned, carry that out. You can't, I I'm reaching for a drink of water. I can't consciously reach for a drink of water. No. I can only consciously intend to do that. The conscious, the difference between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, the subconscious mind is billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of times more powerful than the conscious mind. It has billions of trillions of bits of data as being processed every second. You've got trillions of cells in your body that are cooperating and harmonizing and working together sequentially and simultaneously every second. You can't just in the same way we can't fathom the universe. We can't fathom any of this stuff. We're literally walking and talking miracles i mean we are so absolutely if if uh, if you just stopped and could appreciate and there are people who have limitations in movement they have limitations in sight and sound in hearing and speech and everything but if you you stub your toe for example and the toe hurts that pain signal is a gift yeah and it's there to tell you heal your toe take care of it guard it so you don't re-injure it again it's letting you know that something is your attention is being required you put your hand on a hot stove you pull it away thank goodness or you just burn your fingers off if you didn't have those sensations same with emotional pain same with psychic or thinking pain you know um but as you so put put it you know if i'm going to wallow wallow for like wallow for a prescribed amount of time grieving is a process and it's a natural process and we go through it so so the thing is, is learning to sit with a, an uncomfortable feeling or thought without wanting to do anything about it, just sit with it for, say, 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, will teach people, and this is truly important, will teach a person 
that is not overpowering them. If you can sit with it and not do anything about it, choose to just remain with it, you'll learn that I am the one who chooses what to do. And then you can choose to stop feeling it or you can choose to continue feeling it, but it allows you to know that you have choice. When you know that you have choice and that you're responsible for making the choice, now you become the victor. And here's the saddest thing about people. They will learn to drive their car by getting in with another person or coach or parent or somebody who teaches them to drive. They will go through the practice and they will get a learner's permit and they will practice and practice and practice until they make it a habit. And what starts off very difficult at first, because you got to hold the wheel, you got to remember the turn signals, you got to do this and that and the other, depending on what kind of car you learn to drive on. I mean, there's a lot of things to try and coordinate, but because you really want to drive, you want to be free. You want to be able to say, look, I'll take my little brother or sister anywhere you want me to go. If I could just drive, can I borrow the car? Because they want to drive. They want that. They're willing to go through the process to learn how to drive and make it a habit. Cause that's what happens. Then one day, they go, I'm going to drive my little brother to school. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They don't consciously drive to school. No. They subconsciously do it. Now, it's good to have some conscious awareness while you drive. Don't be on the phone. Don't text. Don't get lost in thought. But there yeah. are those people when you're driving down the road, myself included, we drive down the road. We miss our turn. We miss our, our off, off ramp pass or on ramp pass or whatever. Or we find ourselves miles away going, oh, my God, I was lost in thought. How did I get here? Yeah. Right. So, well, that's saying your brain is taking care of you. And while it does that, it's not the best way to drive. You should keep your eyes on the road. Driving, in my opinion, is a team sport. You know, you need to know that you're part of a process, not just the sole person on the road. But at any rate, people will learn to drive because it's important to them, but they don't take the same time to learn to drive their brain. To drive their ability to choose the best thoughts, the best feelings, the best words, and the best actions. They don't take the required amount of time. And what's the required amount of time? As long as it takes. Everybody says 21 days, 30 days, two years. What is the time? It's for as long as it takes. If you wanted to be a really good juggler, how long would it take you to juggle? Depends on you. Well, it depends on you and how far you want to go with it. And there are people who are in their 90s who are still juggling and still learning and people who are in their 90s who are playing and they're virtuosos. You know, the famous story of one of the you know world's best violinists. They said, why do you? He says, I practice every day. They go, well, you're 96. You've been playing for most of your life. He goes, well, maybe one of these days I'll really get it. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I'm still in. You know, so it's a use it or it's a use it or lose it. Yes. So you have to you have to keep the Pollyanna attitude, the ability to choose, the ability to direct yourself in the positive ways and carry those ways out. You have to you have to practice that. And you and here's the thing: when you correctly practice, you get what you practice back when you need it or want it, you know, or, yeah. or require it. But if you don't practice it, you don't have it. Oh my God, Rex. Everything you always give me is amazing. Okay, but learn to drive your brain. Okay, like, oh my God, I want that emblazoned on my shirt. <laughs> Indeed. That, oh, can I, ha- can, can I, will you give me um, the right to use that? I'm putting your name on it. Absolutely. But let's, I- uh, let's sell t shirts and sweatshirts and swag. Yep, absolutely. All right. Okay, we're going for the swag. Okay, you heard it here today, folks. We'll have it ready for you in the next uh, week or so. 
And I do that. No, if that's true, that'd be awesome. I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Oh my God, Rex, that is brilliant. So that's, oh my God, this is the first task we need to implement is learn to drive your brain. You know, makes so much sense. Well, and it's funny because I, I, you know, I got involved with a lot of this. You know, you you read my book. We talked about it on the other show because of, you know, attitude is considered the number one predictor of success in all areas of your life, especially in health and healing, but also in wealth and finances and happiness, you know, the whole thing. And so I'm known as the attitude doctor. And I keep telling people, you got to develop a powerful attitude. And they go, yeah, 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 or whatever. But if you understand how truly, important your attitude is to everything you do in your life you know if the first thought is i can't afford it then you can't you can't if you say i don't have time then you don't if you say i don't know how it's true you know and so what happens is people then go you go you want to do this and they go well i'd like to but i can't afford it so what they're thinking about in their mind is not what they'd like to do they're thinking about what they can't afford so the better question would be, well, then let's figure out how to help you afford it. Would that be worth it if you really want to do it? If you really wanted to learn to drive the car and you couldn't afford to take driving lessons, would you just say, well, I can't afford driving lessons. I guess I'll just resign to never, ever learning yeah. how to drive or I'm going to find some cheap driving school, you know, that, you know, whatever. No, you, you, would, you would honestly, you would be better off if you figured out how can I, how can I get the money in order to afford the driving class or the class or whatever, or the coach or whatever. How can I make the time to be able to do what I want to do? You know, instead of I don't have time, we'll figure out how to make it because there's a lot of time. It's just not allocated properly. If you don't know how, well, then get with somebody or something or do it. How, you know, and why, why let that stop you? Henry Ford said two really important things. And they're my, one of my favorite quotes. I think one was, if you think you can, or you think you can't, you're correct, which is an an important point. It's so true. And I want to add something to what you said there. You said, um, I want to learn to drive, but I can't afford it. We have to remove that but from our linguistics. Because, and, and in a very simplistic manner for me, Okay, we're all energy, whether you, you believe in, in God or Allah or, or uh, the universe or whatever you want. When you put the thought out there, I want to do this, but whatever you add after is the only thing that matters. Because the universe and everything else doesn't get time or circumstance. They just hear that I can't afford it. Okay, and I know the universe thinks that's really dumb. Why wouldn't you? Okay, but that's what you asked for. So there you go. Status quo. Stay where you're at. No, I, I mean, I actually do a workshop on this very thing. I've got a webinar yeah. on, on, on language. And if you say, I'd like to, but I can't, the last thing in the person's head is, but I can't. Yep. So what you might say, if you're a wonderful friend, you'd say, so you can't, but you'd really like to. <laughs> and if the last thing in the head uh, yours or mine or theirs is but i'd really, really like want to. to do that i really want to do that and you can add and into it and say so let's figure out how we can make this happen for you yes would you like that you know i mean in other words people freeze at what they think is impossible which is why henry ford the second quote of henry ford's was i never let what i cannot do prevent me from doing what i can 
That's great. Yeah, you don't hear that one enough. No, you don't. And you know what people miss about the Henry Ford story is he wanted a V8 engine. He did, they didn't have the name for it at the time, but he said, I want this particular kind of engine. And his mechanics and his engineers said, well, that's impossible. There's nothing in the world like that. He said, I don't care. I want it. I'm going to have it. Yeah. So for a year, they tried to figure it out. You know, six months a year, they kept coming back saying it's impossible. He says, it's okay. I want it. I'm going to have it. Go truck. Here's an, I'll give you another year. They came back and said, no, it's impossible. He said, I want it. I'm going to have it. Go do it. They finally came back and they had done it. What people don't seem to know and the, is that the brain will give up first. Uh-huh. It's like people in a marathon, think about that. They run, you know, 70 miles, 100 miles. Yes. What stops them? They feel like I can't go on. What keeps them going? They just do. Well, they do. In other words, it, you know, if you've ever if you've ever done anything that's really exerted, like if you've ever run in place for five minutes or something, there's a point where you're running and you're doing good, and then all of a sudden your head goes, if I do this, I'm going to die. If I do this, I'm going to explode. If I do this, I'm going to, if I keep going, I can't do this. I'm thirsty. I can't. And it comes up with every reason why you can't do it. And yet there are those people who, and I'm not telling anyone to do this as an exercise, but what I'm saying is the brain, the mind comes up with excuses and reasons why not to continue. So when it comes to success, they always go and Napoleon Hill said this, you know, 98, 99% of the people will never make it because they drift, they don't set a purpose, and they quit too soon. They usually quit yes. before success. So just as they're getting to that success peak, they give up because they can't see past the, the insurmount, what they consider insurmountable. Instead of saying, well, like Ford, I want it, so I'm going to have it, or I want it, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep doing and persisting. They quit. And if you quit, you quit. So true. And to me, impossible is two words, and the first one has an apostrophe in it. So I guess technically it's three words. I'm possible. Whatever it is, I'm possible. And that's, that's it in a nutshell, is just don't give up. So when you're born and I are born, we are born with infinite possibilities, infinite opportunities and infinite resources. And we're conditioned by all of these things around us. That's why Aristotle said, show me the seven-year-old. I'll show you the adult because you're conditioned during that time when you're in Delta and Theta primarily. And then, and then, so your personality is somewhat set. But what we've learned and we've talked about, but haven't actually said, and they've known it since the dawn of at least recorded history that there's plasticity in the brain. There's neuroplasticity. Oh, yeah. We didn't have that word until, you know, a decade ago. Yeah. In the 80s, in the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, you were saying, hey, you can grow new, new neural pathways. You can do these different things. I worked with a team of people, and we were encouraging people to, to evolve their themselves in different ways. I'm talking about the plasticity of the brain, because it used to be that they thought that the brain was like a jar, and that once you filled it up, it was full, and you couldn't do anything with it. Now they know, no, as long as you use it, you can continue to use it. And in fact, the more you use it, the, the, the more cogent you stay long into, into. Same thing with your body. The reason why a lot of people fall apart is because you don't use your body the way you used to. Yep. And, yep. and I mean, because think about this. As plains people and, and, and early evolutionary people, they moved all day long, hunting or gathering. Mm -hmm. They sat down at a fire, had their meal, went to bed, got up the next morning, did it all over again. They moved. 
when we became an, an, an agrarian society, we did the same thing. But as an industrial society, we live in cubicles and we drive in cubicles and we work in cubicles. And you and I are on a computer right now. And, and yeah. I mean, so we don't get out. We don't move the way we used to. And so we sit for nine or 10 hours with a coffee break or a potty break or something like that. But rare, and then we go home and we watch, sit down, have dinner, watch TV, get in bed, maybe read a book and go and then start all over again. So we're not using our bodies the way our bodies were intended. And we're not using our minds the way our minds were intended. And so, and so they atrophy. Yeah. Yeah. That well, makes perfect again, sense. Barring, barring accidents or injuries and things like that. Cause I mean, there yeah. are those, but even then there are those people, and this is the amazing thing. You see these people, these motivational speakers who have no arms and legs and they're out inspiring and motivating yeah. having the world. And somebody said to one of them, how, you know, he said, how can you, ce- how could you celebrate not having arms and legs? He said, how can you not celebrate having them? Yeah. You know, because people don't Absolutely. think I can do these things that some other people can't, Yeah, you know, they, they go the woe is me thing and they wallow and they, and then they don't realize that, you know what? If you stop doing that and start doing the other thing, the Pollyanna thing, and start aiming in a direction, you can reclaim your health mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, whatever you want to do. But if you do nothing, you get nothing. And the first step always is here and here. It's the heart and mind. Because without the heart and mind, body doesn't know what to do. So, so true. And I know. I learned to walk again. I don't walk the same. But I walk. But you walk. I do. And I'm bionic. I went further and got some additional parts. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Can you go through through metal detectors or do you have to tell them? Um, Much better now because what I have, a lot of it is titanium. And it doesn't doesn't go off. off. The old screws used to go off. You know, it's funny. I, they must have changed the technology because I used to go through like stores, in and out yeah. of stores and airlines with nothing on me. And I don't have any metal in me. And I would set off alarms everywhere, coming, going, wherever it was, didn't matter. And then and then after, I don't know, you know, most of my life setting off alarms, suddenly I don't set off alarms anymore. I don't know what they said. So they must have improved the technology. Oh, yeah, I guess. Because you, my dad and my husband can have absolutely nothing on and it will go off, or it used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. Oh, that's that's interesting. It's very interesting. And yes, things, as they progress, yeah, we, we change things. But when, when you study all these things, and when you learn, you know, the concepts of we are energy, everything's energy, for me, I can be really, really literal. And the, the concept of being a suicide survivor and having suicidal ideation and people think, well, hang on, you're this positive Pollyanna. How is that possible? Well, you know, humans, to me, we, we can be all things at all times and we are not static. Mentally, physically, emotionally, we just are not static. So why would our state of mind be static? Why would you get stuck? And what that says to me is, again, we have the choice. No matter how far in the pit you get, you have the choice to reach up. 
you know, one of the saddest phrases that a person can utter that I've, I hear a lot is, well, that's easy for you to say. Yeah. Because what does that say about them? Well, it says it's too hard for me. I don't know how. I, it goes back to what we were talking about before. If a person resigns to, for something to be difficult or tough, consider this for a second. What do you do right now in your life that you didn't learn to do? Anything? I mean, if you cook, you learn to cook. If you drive a car, you learn to drive a car. If you fish, you learn to fish. If you learn to sew, do your laundry, sign your name on a, on a check, read a book or a billboard, pet a dog or an animal. I mean, think about what is it that you as a human have not done? Well, what most people have not done is learn to control their mindset, their attitude, their emotions. They Everything else they understand, but they think, because I think I should know how to do it, or because I speak, I communicate. And we know that just because you can talk doesn't mean you're a good communicator. No. You know, no. And, and, and in fact, some people who are talk a lot are the worst communicators. But the... <laughs> But in the same thing, same thing with with anything in your life. If you want to learn how to be better at finances, learn it. If you want to learn how to be better at cooking, learn it. If you want to juggle, juggle. If you want to take a sailing class, whatever it is, piano. I mean, it, yeah. it's all a lesson. So learn how to manage your mindset, develop the attitude that serves you to live the kind of life that you want and the kind of life you can have and the kind of life that you deserve. Learn how to manage your emotions so that you're not freaking out all over the place but that you have you know a, a good relationship with yourself you accept yourself you love yourself you forgive yourself you release you know these issues and and if you're going to grieve you grieve for an appropriate amount of time if you're going to be sad you be sad for a little bit of time but you don't wallow in things that you don't want to be in you know because people most people don't go i'm so mad right now and i and i i would love to stay mad for the next you know hour no, uh, forever. I just want to be mad. I just want to be sad. I just want to be upset. They don't. They want to get over it. They just haven't figured out that if they want to get over it, they need to learn how to get over it. And everybody will promise you all sorts of things and do all sorts of You'll see ads all over. You know, just understand there's a lot of misinformation out there. But if you want something, you can learn how to do it. You can choose it. You can learn how to do it. And it's step by step, bite by bite. You don't take your dinner and go oh, and, you know, inhale it and swallow it. And then never have to ever eat again. But that's what people think personal change is like. Like if I just take big, massive action, then everything will be fixed and I'll never have to do anything again. And it's not it. If you want to have a, a sculpted body like an Arnold Schwarzenegger or a female or male bodybuilder, you have to eat right, exercise right, and get the right amount of sleep for as long as it takes to get the results that you want to get. And some people don't know when to stop. And so they're, you know, they, they have what the Beverly, Granny and the Beverly Hillbillies called the barbell bloats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, they're overdone. But no, yeah. you have to do it for long enough in order to have it. You, you know, and same thing, you know, if you want to, if you want to do anything, it's easier to do it step by step by step by step. If you want to clean your garage, and I tell people this all the time, don't go, I'm going to clean the garage this weekend. Because you most likely you won't. Yeah. Right. You might. Some people will, you know, but most people don't. They go, oh, my God, I can't believe I said, you know, I, I said I'm going to go oh take God, the whole thing. And the thing sits there forever. And it doesn't get, go, I'm going to clean this corner of the garage. Or I'm going to yes. clean this shelf. or I'm going to clean this closet. or I'm going to do this and take it step by step. Because there's no such thing as motivation. People think it comes from others and it comes from mm -hmm. motivation. Motivation is intrinsic. If you do the thing that makes you feel good, like I clean that closet, you feel like doing more. Yes. 
I, I, I'm going to make a confession. I had a riding lawnmower for a long time and I had people who mowed my lawns and things like that. And one day a woman who worked for me put my lawn, riding lawnmower out there and someone stole it. They put it on a flatbed truck and drove it away. I even knew oh that. They, I, I know I heard it going on. I went outside to see what was happening. I didn't realize they were stealing my lawnmower, but I was like, there's a flatbed truck out in the middle of the night. And, uh, you know, the next day I realized my lawnmower. Was, anyway, so I decided, you know, I don't, because I'm on the computer with you, I, I want to get more exercise. I go to the gym. I do, you know, you know, I walk my dogs or anything, but I thought, well, I'm going to get a, a push mower, not one that isn't that I have to really push. I mean, it's self-driving, but it's a push mower. I walk. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'll just mow the lawn and that will get me exercise. Well, the first time I did it, I went, well, I bit off more than I can chew. Maybe I'll just yeah. do the lawn service again. Whoa. It took me two days to mow the lawn, you know, kind of thing. I, and, uh, and I thought, but, and it, and I, and I wasn't wearing the right shoes and the ground, and uh, and I like, well, will I ever do that again? But I bought the mower and I did it for the exercise. So a week later, like five days later, the grass is okay. We get out there. It took me two days to mow. Well, it, it takes two days because I have to yeah. fill the tank anyway. But but so but I I mow for an hour and ninety minutes, and I owe another hour and ninety whatever it is. Yeah. So anyway, now I'm mowing the lawn. But, you know, after the first time I mowed it, even though I was like completely exhausted and, you know, sore and everything, I was like, I, 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 I called my daughter and my sister and, you know, relative, I said, I mowed the lawn. I actually mowed the lawn. And I feel really good. And I got, I could go outside and I'd look at the lawn and I go, I did that. Yeah. I did that. Wow. And it looks good. And, oh, shoot. Now it was, he's mowing again. All right. Well. You know, and I just mowed the lawn the other days, you know, we want, because it, we had been hot and we didn't have any rain. And so the grass didn't really grow. And suddenly it's going to rain the next day. I'm like, I better mow the lawn before it rains. Or yeah. It's supposed to rain for a few days. I'll have grass this tall. So I went out and I mowed the lawn. I, again, it took two days, but it, you know, yeah. I, I mowed the lawn. And I don't mind it taking two days. No, and, and that's that's part I of it. On the lawnmower, if I rode on a lawnmower, it took me an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. It, it takes a whole lot longer if the people who mow don't don't take as long to do it if they come you know and, and mow my no, lawn no but but that's something they get more practice at than you do <laughs> right, right. Do. But, but i'm i'm now killing two birds with one stone or i'm killing a number of birds i'm i'm cutting the lawn i'm getting the exercise and i'm feeling good about being productive yes. instead yes. of going well i paid some guy to do this or whatever yeah you know and and i just say that because anything that you do if if you do it and you didn't think you could do it and you do it, you'll feel good about having done it. You can look at it and go, I cleaned that closet. I straightened that shelf. And then eventually the garage, you will continue to do the you garage. Get the whole thing done. Feeling good. Yeah. You know, if you feel bad, you're not going to do it. So the key is that how do you make yourself feel good most of the time, whatever it is you're doing? You want to want to learn how to make money? Well, do that while feeling good. Kids. Absolutely. Think about the, the, unless you become a little child, right? Yes. Yes. Well, kids learn more through play and fun and exploration and drama oh my God, yeah. and, and curiosity and pretend That's, than they did by yeah. sitting in in classrooms and being marked wrong for not, you know, remembering the right information. So you want to play, you want to have fun, you want to you want to be like a little child when it comes to your house or your yard or whatever, and not yeah. take it so seriously. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, um, I have a confession too, but it's about the feelings thing. 
I have to work on getting better at just sitting in my feelings. And, and, and many people, yeah. Yeah, this is confirmation for me because when you're about to make a change, when you're about to acknowledge something you need to affect, you'll find it hitting you from all different angles. Mm -hmm. And if you're aware and you pay attention, then you get to it, get it done, and you can move on to the next thing. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's great advice. And, and what people need to be able to do it. Here's, here's, here's something that I think is absolutely crucial. Most people miss the joy of living because they're so focused on the mundane and the problems and the difficulties that they forget that the reason we're here is to celebrate everything, to have fun. You know, if you believe the Bible, and I don't care if you do or you don't, you know, we were put in a Garden of Eden in order to have everything and to enjoy life and to celebrate and have dominion and everything. And we're given a choice according to that story. You can choose life, tree of life, or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did they choose? The knowledge of good and evil. They chose something that was cerebral instead of life. They chose instead of affirming life and experiencing life. So what happened? Because of their knowledge choice, they got kicked out of the garden and everything became a struggle. Now, forget whether it's literal or not and understand the lesson in that. You're here to celebrate and to live and to enjoy life and, and the fullness of life and to have everything available to you. And so many people miss that and they suffer and they struggle and everything because they think they know better or they don't know the right thing or whatever. And their knowledge is what's keeping them from having a full experience. Your head is only so good as it directs you into yeah. the joys of life. And if it's not directing you into the joys of life, you need to grab it and teach it and drive it to the joys of life. It has to integrate with your heart. Yes. In order to fully function. Well, and, 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 and just to piggyback on that, people think you have a heart and you have a heart, but you know what? If I take your heart out, your head isn't of much use. No, it's take not. your head out, your heart isn't of much use. They are part yeah. of one organism. Yeah. And they are interdependent and codependent and and intradependent on each other. Yeah. Because and the same with all of our cells, your liver, your your vagus nerve, your intestines, your your kidney. I mean, they all are working together to keep you yes. alive. Yeah. You know, and they have different functions and different forms, but they are a part of one thing. Now here's 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 something that people don't really get that's one organism and that organism you and i exhale and inhale exhale and inhale well you know what else exhales and inhales animals you know what else exhales and inhales all plants and trees you know what else exhales and inhales the universe you are the universe the, that we appear separate we're one organism we're one species for crying out loud on the planet yeah we're different colors, different forms, different shapes, different political persuasions, religions, nationalities, and all this stuff. But we're one species. And a lot of the time, we're so species are spent arguing and fighting over different things that are really not pertinent to anything. We need to learn how to collaborate and cooperate and to coexist in harmony and to create something better for ourselves. And we'll do that. Yes, you can recognize the problems and work to change them. So that's that's possible. But the spirit of cooperation and collaboration and harmony exists. You know, you don't see, you know, a rose, you know, yelling at a bird or yelling no. at a tree or whatever. You're choosing, you're eating my air, my soil. You know, 
we, we exist together on this rock and this rock is hurtling the sun and it's all part of a system that's ever expanding and may have been here forever. We are it. We aren't part of it. We are it. We are. You know, so when you say the universe, it's a mistake because there is no the. It's universe. universe. And that you, me, everything in it is one thing. It's energy. So you can say, now what? Choice. What you said before, choice. How do you want to direct your energy? Toward goodness and kindness and love and compassion and joy and happiness and fulfillment or through dog crap? and despair oh. anger and frustration and worry and concern and financial lack and poverty and misery and all it's a choice where do you want to spend your energy get on the boat don't be on both the dock and the boat and head in the direction you want to go dog crap or diamonds is what i always say oh i love that i love that so on that note dog crap or diamonds you choose it's entirely up to you Rex, I cannot tell you how much I have enjoyed our time together today. Thank you so, so much for coming back. This definitely will not be the last time. <laughs> well, I've enjoyed it too, both here with you on camera and before talking about the dogs. And to be able to continue that with you at any time is indeed a pleasure. I'm honored. And I would love oh, it thank you. on camera or off. Well, thank you, sir. I am so with you there on all of those things. And to our audience, I say thank you very much for participating with us. What's your choice going to be? In the meantime, make the very most of your today every day. And I say thank you to Rex and thank you to you. And I'm going to see you next time. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results. And also by Canada's keynote humorist, Judy Kroon, motivational speaker, comedian, author, and stand-up coach at Second City. On the stage, Judy draws from her wealth of performance experience, wit, and insight to entertain, inform, and inspire in her dynamic keynotes and half-day workshops.